Hello everyone and welcome to episode 74 of Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, welcome to all you new listeners out there. Good to have you with us. And if you feel like getting in touch with me for any reason, go ahead and send me an email at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. I always appreciate that feedback. Okay, let's get on with the show. My guest today started his tango journey in Portland, Oregon back in 2000. In 2014, he moved to Boston and went on a tour that took him throughout the U.S. as well as China and Taiwan. In 2016, he and his then-partner Tilly Kim won the U.S. Tango de Pista Championships. As of 2018, he is based in Chicago and continues traveling to give workshops and to teach at various festivals. And with me now is Adam Cornett. Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, so today, Adam, what was the, uh, the first tango-related thing you did when you got up? Oh, the first uh, yoga. Yoga, very nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> great, great. I do that for tango specifically. Nice. Yeah. So, how did you fall in love with tango? You know, entering tango is probably different than falling in love with it. I I got into tango uh, kind of. Um, I was uh, at eighteen and I was in college, and some girl asked me to join their salsa class, and they she said that we need leaders in our salsa class, and I said, oh, you know, not really my thing. I'm not really much of a dancer, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and and then the next class uh, in on my schedule, I went to the class, and a different girl asked me. She said, hey, uh, we need leaders in our salsa class. Would you be interested in joining? And I kind of thought, well, that's that's two girls in one day, you know, and I'm an 18 year old kid at the time. Right. So I said, okay, I got to check this thing out. What is this salsa thing? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, went to salsa, and um, I liked it. And my the teacher, after a week, she said, hey, you seem to really be liking this. Why don't you join my my swing and my tango class? Hmm. And uh, and that's kind of how I got into it. Nice, nice. So what yeah. was your first tango lesson like? Oh gosh, uh, this was, uh, you know, I. I I would be making it up. It was 18 years ago, so mm-hmm. I'd be making it up what what it was actually like. It was so long ago, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I do know that the teacher, who her name is Rachel Lidzkog, she still teaches in Portland, Oregon. You know, I helped her. I helped her for uh, quite some time, for a couple of years, uh, teaching those classes. And and I know her routine, and I know what she does. And mm-hmm. she's a she's a fabulous teacher, really getting people inspired to start dancing. You know, and, and uh, kind of gets people interested to keep going by. I mean, she created a tango club and 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 things, and or helped assist the creation of a tango mm-hmm. club at at Portland State University, and really got kids involved in in becoming dancers. So mm-hmm. pretty fabulous person for for doing that yeah so after graduating from college what made you stick with tango well there was actually a period of time where i quit tango uh teaching tango for about five years after after graduating i was just working as a tango teacher and a massage therapist i went to school for public health education that's what i got my degree in but i didn't do anything with it at some point maybe when i was uh, 24 or 25 I, I said to myself i really need to start making some money so i i looked around and i found a a sales job for a, a marketing company and i i went down that road and i although i was i was teaching and working there i ended up meeting a woman and i got married and uh, and because i i wanted to focus on the marriage and my career i mm-hmm. stuck more with the career so i quit teaching for about 5 years mm-hmm. And after that time, you know, I just I missed teaching so much. I just I just I I sold my house because we had a house and I had mm-hmm. a nice paying job. 
sold my house, I bought a, a yoga studio, I added tango to it, and just started working full-time and doing tango, uh, teaching tango again, just because I missed it so much. Yeah. And eventually was able to kind of quit everything and just stick with tango. Mm -hmm. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it went all in on it. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the decision to do that, just to, to sell the house and to really jump in, like, how did that come about? Well, you know, it had been it had been five years since I had taught. It had, you know, my my ex-wife and I we were, we were dancing just a, you know, maybe once every couple of months. It wasn't it wasn't a regular thing because we were at such different levels when we met. Mm -hmm. She was a, a tango dancer, but she'd only been dancing six months. Okay, and it wasn't the thing that we had the most in common. We, you know, the reason why we we stayed together was from, from or, or got married was for so many other things. Right. And it was just the it was just the thing that introduced us to each other, mm -hmm. and so we we spent our time doing other things instead of dancing. Mm -hmm. But tango was always my thing, mm -hmm. and um, and I, I after five years of doing it so seldomly, mm -hmm. I I I just needed to get back to it. I, so I I told my ex, I said, you know, look, I need to dance more. It's what I do. It's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, and then after starting to go out dancing pr rather frequently, like mm -hmm. like the old days when I was younger, I said, you know, I miss teaching this. This is what what I loved doing about this dance was. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I loved teaching it and I loved dancing it. So I got back in, and she was supportive. So yeah. we we just figured out ways for me to start teaching, and eventually was able to move into it. Like I said, with the with the yoga studio and everything. Nice, nice. So your first few tango lessons at at your own studio, what were those like? Oh, well, um, they were of, I mean, I, they were small at first. It took a little while to get a, a following, but you know, in Portland, in Oregon, it's, you know, there's, there's one main, one big name teacher there mm -hmm. who, who has a good studio and takes, you know, most of, most people go to him. Mm -hmm. And so to try and, to try and build something there yourself is, is difficult and it takes time. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I kept my job for, about six months while I was building my following. Nice. But after about six months, I was able to quit. And I just had other people teaching the yoga during the day. Mm. And then I was teaching tango at night. And, uh, and yeah, I built a I built a small group of, of kind of really steady, steady students that were wanting to learn. And I was really happy with it. Okay, nice. Yeah, so I want to shift gears a little bit to turning yeah. points in your own learning. Um, so yeah, what's, some, sure. what's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from from some of your teachers, perhaps from from Rachel or from uh, you also worked a lot with Alex Krebs, right? I did work with Alex Krebs. Yeah, yeah other other kind of uh, big teachers in my life have mm -hmm. been uh, Horacio Godoy. Yeah, I see. Um, and then also Gabriel Angel and Natalia Games mm -hmm. in in Argentina. They don't they don't travel, so they're not yeah. nearly as well known. But these are kind of the big people that have uh, helped me in my in my tango career. Yeah. And the two, you know, the 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 big turning points in the beginning were when uh, Rachel first and then Alex second both asked me to kind of be their assistant in their classes. Mm. And that was, that was a big deal for me. You know, that, that really said, you know, Adam, maybe you, maybe you, you've, uh, gotten onto something here. Maybe this is something you should consider doing since these two great teachers are, are interested in having you be their assistant in right. class. So maybe, maybe you've got something going. And, and so that, those are two big turning points. As far as advice goes, uh, I've, I've received so much. It's hard to it's hard <laughs> right. to say like what are the what, what are the big pieces. You know, one not so much like direct advice that Alex told me, but just kind of his leading by example. Mm -hmm. And I I I still have to remind myself sometimes to do it. And it's whether I whether I really want to or not. But mm -hmm. um, it's you know in a in a sense, Alex is very good at kind of being neutral. You know, mm -hmm. kind of 
not really stoking the fire. And I think I'm a bit more eager to say the things that I'm in, you know, that I believe in. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and sometimes I have to pull myself back and say, okay, Alex was a good example. What would he do in this situation? Oh, do okay. I need, you know, so it, it's more kind of like leading by example situations. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I had Alex on the show last year. He was, he was really fun to talk to. Oh yeah. 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 He's a good guy. Yeah. So Adam, one of the wonderful things about tango is that we're very free to interpret the music uh, in more ways than other, perhaps other dances. Um, but oh, at yeah. the same time, that freedom, you know, that that sort of openness, that's kind of what makes a dance pretty challenging for for beginning students. So, what advice do you have for for beginner students who might be listening on how to interpret the music the first couple times they go out dancing? How to specifically interpret the music? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, or just ways of just moving to it so that what you're doing makes sense with the music. Oh boy, yeah, you know, I mean, if you're if you're a beginner dancer and you're listening to this music from the 1940s and 50s and you're and you're trying to feel it, I've mm -hmm. I've had many people come to me and say, I can't find the rhythm. Mm -hmm. What is it that I need to need to pay attention to? And and then a lot of people kind of being scared of the the uh, the sounds of the of the music because it sounds so ancient. The, and and so like lo-fi you know um <laughs> i always suggest people you know when they're when they, especially when it's like having a hard time listening for the rhythm mm -hmm. i tell them like the easiest thing is just listen for a repetitive loud sound in the song i know that kind of sounds okay. silly yeah. but it's like something that's something that's kind of repeating uh like a metronome mm -hmm. and kind of sounding sounding loud if you can hear that that's what you really need to just just start moving to that. But this is like very basic beginner. Mm -hmm. And then as people, you know, when they want to move off of the the standard rhythm of slow and quick, quick, slow, mm -hmm. I'll kind of guide them towards a couple of the other common rhythms that we have um, in tango, like uh, one, two, four, one, mm -hmm. or one, two, three, one, or something like this. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll give them a little insight as to what they can listen for inside the music, and then kind of give them a tip on what they can do with their feet, if they can match those up and, and start to here for those moments inside the, the song that that work with those common motifs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge topic. There's a huge number, topic. Number of rabbit that's... holes to go down. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, way too many. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like that. Let's listen for those repeating elements. That's a good. That's good. So when you're dancing, Adam, what, what goes on through in your mind while you're leading? So are you consciously thinking of the next figures to lead or or do you move in more intuitively to the music? completely intuitively with the music i i mean at this point i don't put any thought into into my moves hmm. just the other day i i actually caught myself i was practicing with my partner mm -hmm. and we were just kind of warming up and i did in this song i did a, a few different in rosques i did mm -hmm. three of them almost in a row nice. and and i wasn't paying attention but then all of a sudden my mind kind of woke up and said you just did three in rosques <laughs> and 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 i said this as i was going into the fourth Mm -hmm. And so instead of doing the, doing the enrosque, I changed it into something else. And, um, you know, but, but so often I don't, I don't pay attention to these things. I just let like, ah, oh, what is the music telling me to do? And I'm just going with that. Mm -hmm. My mind can be somewhat of in a meditative state and then all of a sudden be snapped out when I, <laughs> when I realize. but yeah, but generally it's just this meditative motion. Okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I know some people are. They have different ways of thinking. It's kind of nice to to hear what well, what goes on through their heads when they're while they're leading. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point, you you kind of shut things down, and you're paying more attention to your surroundings mm -hmm. than than anything else. You know. Yeah. Like, uh, not. I mean, not than anything else, but you're you're letting you're letting your you know kind of on the top of my mind. I let that 
kind of think like who's around me, making sure I keep my distances. And then that kind of becomes like breathing, keeping this distance and so forth and just letting everything flow inside. It's like a, a steady rate. It's just like everything becomes kind of a natural breathing motion for me uh, in, in that sense. But this is just years of years of doing the same thing. It's not like any any gift that any one person has or doesn't have. It's just something that, you know, when you do it this long, it just is what it is. Yeah. All right. And I want to touch upon some of your uh, your experiences teaching while traveling. Sure. Yeah. So you've uh, traveled to uh, to Asia, China, and Taiwan to to teach. What was it like uh, teaching over there? You know, my first trip. I, so I've been there four times, yes. and my first trip was so eye opening. When I teach in the U.S. versus well, U.S. versus mm-hmm. uh, versus let's say Taiwan. Taiwan was my first place going. Mm-hmm. When I when I taught in Taiwan, one of my classes was on cadenas. So just mm-hmm. this repeating. You know, we use it in in waltz a lot, but this repeating circular pattern. And I went into the class, as I do in the United States, with two cadenas because they're already hard enough. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered was that the people in Taiwan picked these two cadenas up so much faster than I had than I than any other class I had taught in the United mm-hmm. States. And I had to give them a third cadena, which I had not prepared. I just, I mean, I just said, okay, we'll do this other one. Mm-hmm. And the reason I. Th- I don't know. I think their 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 culture was is so much more used to watching and repeating, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and and also they have a lot more tango salon there, and we have a lot more kind of tango nuevo and and milanguero styles here, uh, okay. and uh, salons becoming more popular here. But with tango nuevo, you have this like freedom of motion, and I think maybe tango nuevo is like the right thing to have in the United States early on because it allowed people to be so creative and inventive in their own ways, mm-hmm. but. Maybe for the culture, the, the Asian culture, it was so much better to have yeah. Tango Salon because it has this a lot of patterns and mm. and uh, more guidelines to how you can move and how you should move. Mm. And the people, when I first saw them in, you know, when dancing in, in Taipei, mm-hmm. were such beautiful dancers. And, and there were so many beginners on, on the dance floor who I knew were beginners. But when you watch them dance, they dance like they'd been dancing five, six, seven years because they just... They thought about their lines. They thought about you know the the movements. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't have the the connection as as much mm-hmm. as we might, but they had the the the, the figures down so well, yeah. and and the way the figures should look was like so much more precise than what we we might put our attention to. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. How, yeah. Yeah. How the dance, how all different personality types or cultural backgrounds they. They pick up different strengths, it seems. Oh, yeah. absolutely. My my most recent trip, I didn't go and teach here, but I went to dance mm-hmm. for myself in uh, Seoul, in Korea, South oh, Korea. Wow. And it was, I had a fabulous time. I just I loved the city and I loved the the dancing. The dancing mm-hmm. was absolutely amazing. The high, such a high level. But everybody looked. And a lot of people have this. They say, oh, Korean dancers, they're all just the same. Kind of the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the same thing that they say about salon dancers and or competitive dancers mm-hmm. but and and they they'll even say oh they all feel the same or whatever but i think that you know just like two people who speak the same language they're actually speaking the same language they're dancing the same dance mm-hmm. as opposed to speaking maybe someone who speaks english in the united states is having a conversation from someone from new zealand or from mm-hmm. australia or something right. and you might be having some difficulty understanding all the words mm-hmm. whereas these guys all spoke the exact same language and it worked really well together mm-hmm. you know they they could have this great conversation on the dance floor, essentially, and it looked beautiful. It was, it looks fantastic. So um, I don't think there's anything wrong with with that. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend. His name's London Hong, who actually learned in the United States mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. And when he was first learning, he, you know, um, my, I, I know these stories of him going to the practicas, 
and I think this is more maybe from his culture, he would go to the practicas and he would stand in front of the mirrors and work on his dance and repeat his motions and, and get them uh, more solid in his body before he would even dance with anybody. Oh. And this is, you know, this is such a different approach mm -hmm. uh, than what we might take here in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, even though he was in the U.S., but having his, his Korean uh, background, the way yeah. that he learns. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so while you're in uh, Taiwan, did you have a translator, or did, or were you able to, were they able to communicate with you? Most of the people will speak English in the classes, but there is, uh, the, like the the organizer usually speaks English and will do translation for the few people that don't know how. Okay. Uh, don't 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 have as as strong of English. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In China, there are a lot more people who didn't speak English, and we had to use a translator uh, for sure every time. Okay. Okay. But again, it was always like the host or the local teacher or something like that. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it works out. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah have had, you danced in Asia yet? I have not danced in Asia. Ah. I've, I've traveled there. I was actually in Taiwan when I was in college. I studied there for a summer. Um, oh, nice. Had a lot. Yeah, a lot of relatives who lived there. So a lot, had a lot of great food. But yeah, that was before I got into tango. Oh too. yeah, yeah. I'd love to go there for dancing. Yeah, because yeah, oh, you know, no matter where you travel for. For tango, there's always some sense of familiarity, you know, when you go, Absolutely. To, go to a malanga. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you've also gone to Buenos Aires to to study tango as well. So tell us about your, your trip to BA. My first trip was maybe, I think it was about six years ago. Okay. I, it took me a long time to get there and just financial reasons. And yeah, yeah. finally, when I did, I decided that I would go every year. It was, mm -hmm. it was uh, what I wanted to do. So I make the greatest attempt to try and go every year and study, and nice. I've done that. And uh, my first trip was pretty eye-opening. You know, I had this personal kind of, not belief, but maybe maybe a belief, but just this idea that the people in the United States, like uh, we had, we have good teachers, which we do. We have mm -hmm. good teachers. And, and if I want to be a great tango dancer, then I can learn from the people here, mm -hmm. which is very true. You can be a great tango dancer and you can learn from the people here. Mm -hmm. But there is something else I discovered when I did finally go mm -hmm. is was the historical information. Mm -hmm. So the, the most the recent information that's being taught by a lot of the traveling Argentines is, you know, fairly similar to the, the, the most recent information here in the US. And mm -hmm. and usually the teachers will it, it, it disseminates down down the chain. It goes down the chain and everybody gets the information at some point. But the historical stuff is what nobody really talks about. Nobody teaches so much up here. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's one thing I like to focus my teaching on mm -hmm. because I, I don't really think like we need to know exactly where we're going because most of us don't even know where we've been. <laughs> and, yeah. and in Argentina, a lot of those dancers know who all these old, old milangueros are and they've heard the stories and they've seen the videos and they, mm -hmm. they know where to find the information and they've looked at that information and they've studied with the teachers who could, who are passing out that information. My teachers, Gabriel and Natalia, mm -hmm. one time Hernan Prieto here in Chicago, yeah. he, you know, he, um, if you're familiar with him, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he asked me, he said, hey Adam, who do you study with when you go to Argentina? Mm -hmm. And I told him the, the, the names of my teachers. And he said, oh, okay. He said, I think, and this was his, mm -hmm. he said, I don't think that there is a single tango dancer or tango teacher from, from Argentina who travels around and teaches who hasn't studied with that couple. Oh. <laughs> um, now, it might, be a, it might be a bit of an overstatement, mm -hmm. but that's just how common and, and uh, they are. Like, that's how, you know, people go to these guys and study with them a lot. Mm. And, you know, I, I think... In the U.S., sadly, we haven't sought out that information, mm -hmm. and I'm so in love with it. So I go every year. I'm going in January, nice. so I can take 
numerous private lessons with my with my teachers mm -hmm. and just keep learning as much as I can from figures of the old milangueros mm -hmm. stories from the old old milangueros anything I can I can soak up and so that's that's my focus on with all my trips to Buenos Aires nice nice yeah yeah well, yeah. well, well yeah, also on that first trip uh was uh -huh. there anything tango related there that that you really didn't expect or that really surprised you Anything tango related that I didn't expect. I mean, I had been doing dancing for 13 years at the time. Mm -hmm. I had lots of friends who had been to Buenos Aires, so not, not really too much. I think the the first surprise, um, kind of the first thing that caught me off guard. Uh, I guess two things was mm -hmm. right when I got off the airplane, there happened to be tango music playing in the airport. Oh, nice! And then when I took a taxi into the city, um, the guy said, "Oh, why are you, why are you here?" Mm -hmm. And I said, "Oh, for tango." And he went digging in his glove box, found a tango CD, <laughs> and and said, "Here, have it. It's yours." Oh, wow. And well, he played it. He played it first, and then he said, "You can have this. Take it." You know, it was like that's how much tango was a is a part of their culture. It's like, mm. yeah, I'm here for tango. Oh, sure, I've got a CD. You can have it. Like that. <laughs> you get off the plane. Oh, there's tango music playing. It's it's that. That, I guess that was the biggest surprise was exactly how mm -hmm. common it is for everyone to know and, and be familiar with and have some hand in tango. Okay. And one thing actually Alex told me once was a milanguero is not just somebody who goes to the dance mm -hmm. and or, or somebody who dances tango, mm -hmm. but it could even in theory, it could be the person, the taxi driver who takes you to the milanga. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if everybody views milangueros as this way, but it's, you know, he's viewing it as this like larger system of everything that goes on around tango is a part of tango. Oh. And these are all the milangueros of tango, which okay. is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I would yeah. imagine just being there, just, you know, dancing tango, you know, even though you're dancing to the same kind of music, just the energy of the city and just how, and, you know, I guess the energy of that, of the tango lifestyle and culture that does affect your dancing, I would imagine. Yes, yes. And actually, every time I go to Buenos Aires, my dancing is at its worst because I because I study. And and when you whenever you study, you kind of break apart what you're already doing and trying to make it better. So you go dancing and you feel like you're crap. You know, it's just like, <laughs> what did I do to myself? Mm -hmm. But just like I would say, just like, let's say if you're going to play basketball and you play with a, a, a group of people who are better than you, all of them better than you, you're going to play the best game you can. Right. And you're going to learn and you're going to be better that day. And if you and you're going to be better than if you were playing with people who are all worse than you, mm -hmm. then it's too easy for you, right? right. So yeah. that is that is always nice. You know, my first trip there was a there was a, a single milonga called El Jete, mm -hmm. and at El Jete, it was like the young hotshot crowd would go. Even Noelia Hurtado was there. Mm -hmm. She showed up and she danced, and all the foreigners, or mostly all the foreigners, just sat, and because the floor was small and there was enough hotshot Argentines. And people just watch these hot, hot shots dance. Mm -hmm. And it was just so, so uh, cool to take that in mm -hmm. and see, you know, and, and inspiring to see what they were doing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So nice. you're right. You're right with that energy. Yeah. Dancing in, in Buenos Aires compared to dancing in the U.S. So there are a lot of people listening. They are probably thinking of going to Argentina or they're mm -hmm. eager to do so because they're, they're getting hooked on, in, on tango. And I think. You know, figure you know what that feels like. <laughs> yes, yeah, of course. So, so what advice do you have for those for those students who are planning on going to BA? You know, what are some do's and don'ts that come to mind? Yeah, you know, do is is certainly take classes. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people who go there just to dance, and if you're going there to dance, you're gonna 
I mean, some people have a really great time. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have been let down uh, mm -hmm. by the dancing, not not because they're getting bad dances, but because it's you know it's like going to a festival in a city that you don't know. Mm -hmm. You you kind of need to you need to know some people. The do's along those lines mm -hmm. definitely meet some people, find friends, and get get with a group. It's not too difficult to do. Uh, you know, and what you want to do is start going to uh, to milongas with a small group or in as large of a group as you can, mm -hmm. you're probably going to dance with those people the most. But just being just dancing and, and getting some time on the floor, mm -hmm. you're going to be seen and you're going to uh, have a better time. Mm -hmm. Definitely find uh, um, some reputable teachers. Mm -hmm. Be careful about who you study with because they, everybody teaches tango in, <laughs> you know, theoretically there. Mm -hmm. Even if they've never taught a class, they'll take your money for a tango lesson. Oh. Of course, be careful who, who, <laughs> who you agree to practice with. If they're, if they're wanting to practice with you, it might be a lot more than practice. Okay. <laughs> um, just, just, be, just be forewarned. Yeah. People, people ask like whether they should go or not. I think everybody should go at some point. Mm -hmm. It's like making the trip to India if you're really into yoga or, mm -hmm. you know, just these, these pilgrimages that people, people make to the motherland of, of anything. You know, a lot of people go back to Israel to, you know, and, and so forth to, right. to see the, the religious, uh, you know, uh, cities and, and areas. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's uh, I think it's good for us to kind of go and take in some of the culture. You know, it's hard to speak on on, on this dance if you've not soaked in a bit of the culture. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, now, at what time? That's that's a big part. A lot mm -hmm. of people go too early. Oh, I went okay. too late. Mm -hmm. I think there's a I think there's a good time between year three and year seven. Okay. Probably a good time. You know, you're you're a good solid dancer at this time. You're ready to to dance with lots of people. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 you're also probably somewhat exhausting the the local. You know, depending on what city you're in, you're somewhat exhausting the local teaching mm -hmm. uh, that's going on in your city. You're ready for some advancement. You know, so this is probably a good time to take your pilgrimage. All right. Yeah. So in all your years of teaching and experiences in in teaching, Adam, what are some things you've learned from your own students? Hmm. You know, the, the, the things I learned from my students are enumerating. Like there's just so many of them uh, because every time I teach, when I, when I teach something, I will see the, their, the result in their body mm -hmm. and, and I'll have to learn like maybe it wasn't exactly the, the right word to say or the right way to put it. And I've, you know, you, you kind of become, I guess you become a better teacher if you can notice these things instead of you taking yourself in as like the, the be all end all of authority on tango, mm -hmm. you need to see that, that maybe you're not that. And so when I, when I show somebody something, if I use the wrong words or if I, if I say the wrong thing, I get the result in their body and then I could easily be screwing them up. Mm -hmm. So I have to be careful with, with how I put it and with what I'm saying. But I've learned a lot from, from my students in, in you know, how I can replicate the, the result I'm looking for. So if I see the wrong thing, then I need to correct how I, how I say it so mm -hmm. that with my next student and with that one, if I can correct it right away mm -hmm. and, and with every student in the future, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, um, giving the right information each mm -hmm. time. And so my, my teaching is, it doesn't stop evolving. And it's not because I'm just doing the same thing repetitively. Mm -hmm. It's because I get instant feedback from the people that I'm doing this with and doing this for, mm -hmm. you know, to, to be able to, to evolve my own uh, skill of teaching. Yeah. All right. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I always just keep an open mind when teaching somebody because mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to learn. I have one student. Her name's Claudine and she lives in Boston. She's a fabulous person, fabulous mm-hmm. dancer. And she's been dancing the same amount of years as I have. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, she's much more experienced in dance and body motion and mechanics than I am. And she and I have great deep discussions about, you know, what it is and why it is, how the body moves this way or that way. And in tango, how we should use our body and what makes things right, what makes things wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you give her a lesson, mm-hmm. if you work with Claudine, then you need to be open to receiving information mm-hmm. as well as giving information mm-hmm. because she's so wise on what she, you know, what, what she knows. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's also, she's, she's very giving and also very receiving of information too, because mm-hmm. she's, she doesn't close her mind as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, there are many students out there like this that, that have so much more in-depth knowledge about the mechanics or physics or, you know, or, or anatomy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we need to, we need to kind of be open to, to listen. I know one one of my students is a is a physics professor mm. um, at Brown University, wow. and he was learning how to do baleos with um, a very fam- I'll leave the teacher's name out a very famous famous teacher, mm-hmm. very well known very you know uh, world champion, mm-hmm. and um, a big name big name, and and so he's learning the baleo, and this physics teacher has had had told the this uh, this tango teacher, he said. I believe probably right in front of everybody. That's not how a baleo works. And <laughs> and so and the guy's like, "Well, what do you mean?" And he said, "Well, I'm a physics professor and this mm. is how physics works and this is how the universe works essentially. <laughs> this is why a baleo works using mm-hmm. physics." And what was so great about this story was it it wasn't that this guy was being rude or something. Right, it, it was the the you know to the teacher. The teacher accepted the information and then later messaged that student and said, can you write that down for me? I would oh. like to know that. And I was like, <laughs> I gained so much more respect for that person that day because they didn't close their mind. They said, okay, I have something to learn here. Even though I'm one of the most famous teachers in the world in tango, I still can learn. And I thought that's so cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that's the, the physics of a boleo. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah how, exactly. what, how, how it actually works scientifically. It's great. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So so what are some other ways that you keep challenging yourself, Adam? So right now, my partner and I, I don't know if you know Jessica Orfanoni. Um, I know of her. I, don't, I, don't, I think I've only met her maybe a few times in passing. Okay. She and I are, we have here in Chicago, there's a, there's a, a steakhouse mm-hmm. that has it's a it's an Argentine steakhouse and they have a stage and they they want tango stage shows mm. and Hernan and Daniela have been doing it for a few years and they've recently Great. invited uh, Jessica and I to be a part of the show Great. Um, so now we have this four man show mm-hmm. and the other the other couple that was part of the four four man group had quit so we we've come in mm. so what's pushing me nowadays is creating choreography which i had never done mm. i was i'm not a choreography person mm. and so uh, creating choreography with jessica to do on this stage wow yeah it was so that that's kind of the latest thing uh that that's been in my life you know uh, having to come up with moves that i've never done before because it you know people need to you know it's it's for a stage of in front of an audience of tango, non-tango dancers you know mm-hmm. and uh, you only have their attention for a few minutes or they're going to go back to their food and eat their food so mm-hmm. you got to keep their attention so all these kind of very interesting things mm-hmm. and uh, jessica and i we find inspiration from other you know uh, dancers and looking at great great stage dancers and and kind of what they do and and trying to bring some of that into 
into um, our dance. And then the other thing that's really challenging me right now is is uh, Jessica herself. She's a world champion. She's uh, been a stage dancer. She's you know she's from Argentina. She's mm-hmm. you know an extremely high level dancer, yeah. and and just kind of working with her and getting to know. I mean, I've I've definitely learned a lot in my own body, uh, and you know what I kind of little things I need to change to mm-hmm. to make myself even more stable, even more grounded, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 been great for me to to be here in Chicago because I've really advanced my. I feel like I'm advancing my dance, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, great. Yeah. So what's it like working in choreography? Oh man, you know. So I didn't I didn't believe my brain could actually remember the choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've tried only twice in my life. Uh, little tiny snippets, like 15 seconds of choreography mm-hmm. that was part of like a, a group, you know, maybe there's six people performing and they said, okay, at the end of the song, let's all do the same variacion. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. So we remember the variacion mm-hmm. um, and then comes showtime, we're dancing, we're dancing, we're dancing, the variacion uh, comes and I screw it up both times. Oh. So I didn't think that I had the ability to to remember choreography, mm-hmm. but it, I also had this suspicion that it was like, well, I probably just didn't put the repetition in so that I can actually remember it, which turns out to be the case. Mm-hmm. So choreography is so good. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so good because I, I've never had to push my body uh, this hard for, for maybe almost anything in dance. You know, like uh, social dancing is very easy for me. It comes comes very naturally, after, especially after all the years. And so then you say, okay, well, how can I how can I make my body do more? And my my previous partner uh, Tilly, mm-hmm. she she went down to when we were in Buenos Aires last August. She went a couple weeks before me, and she sent me a message. and And she was taking all stage classes by with with top level stage teachers. Just and she said, I finally found where the real technique you know is. Mm. And what she was meaning was not that there's not technique in social tango, but in in stage if you learn the technique there, you can learn it, you can do it then anywhere and you'll your your social dancing will be so much better for it. Mm. And she's right in that to make things work in stage, you have to have your axis better than you have ever had your axis anywhere. Mm. Um you have to have, you know, good posture better than you've ever had posture anywhere. Mm-hmm. All these things have to be engaged and uh, and like ready and uh, and at the ready mm-hmm. and um, and if not you fail oh. you know you you fall your your partner not maybe not fall but you stumble you don't uh, you don't get under your partner to do the lift or right. you know you, you aren't supporting your partner so the timing gets off whatever mm-hmm. and so really yeah it's been it's been quite a hard road but really a great one to to push myself into some mm-hmm. into doing some some stage uh, choreography type things mm-hmm. it's really pushing my tango mind in in new directions nice all right well Adam this has been a lot of fun so where do we find yeah. out more about you online. Uh, well, you can uh, visit my website, adamtango.com, or just find me on Facebook and friend me there. I always uh, kind of post where I'm headed next. And uh, on Instagram, if you just look up my name, mm-hmm. I, I do a, I post a lot of videos of, uh, of my classes, like one-minute kind of uh, videos that you can see, things that I teach. So if you wanted to try it at home, you can, you can do that there. All right. Yeah, so I'll yeah. have your website, your Instagram, and all that in the, uh, the show notes so people will be able to oh, look cool. you up. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. All right, Adam. Well, thanks a lot again for for taking the time. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it's it's great that you're in Chicago. Now I don't live that far away, and uh, oh, very hopefully, good. Hopefully, I'll be able to get to meet you in person soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, and good luck with all your travels. And yeah, hopefully, meet and talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. It was a pleasure for me as well. Thank you, Adam, for the fun conversation. 
So Adam touched upon a lot of things, and one that stuck out to me had to do with his time teaching in Asia, and how a lot of the Tango students there had a mentality of watching and repeating, of really working on technique, movement, and precision. Although this might not be ideal for creativity, which is the general mentality of the West, it does yield some very strong results in other ways. So something to think about. Another thing that stuck out was when Adam talked about being in Buenos Aires, how being a part of tango was not just about going to classes or milongas, tango was an atmosphere that you could soak yourself in. Of course, many of us listening are far away from Buenos Aires, and most cab drivers in our home cities probably won't stash tango CDs in their glove compartments, but there are things we can do to help create a little bit of that atmosphere in our lives, such as listening to tango in our spare time, practicing steps in the kitchen, things like that, and I'm sure you can think of other ways. And Adam also talked about the importance of giving and receiving to always keep an open mind no matter how advanced you become. Whether you're teaching someone, helping someone, or the one being helped, the learning process is a two-way street. Chances are the person in front of you has something valuable to offer, and we should be humble enough to be ready to receive it. So thank you again, Adam, for taking the time to share your experiences and your insights. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a quick moment to visit iTunes, SoundCloud, or whichever online platform you're using. Subscribe if you haven't already, and leave a five-star rating. That helps out a lot. And if you'd like to get in touch, feel free to send an email to wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.